G'day everyone. We are here with a very good friend of mine, special guest founder of the Chastity Project. His name is none other than Jason Everett, and he's live with me now. G'day, Jason. Hey, sure, Bill. It's good to be on with you. It's great to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Um, how's everything going down in lockdown in America at the moment? That is crazy. Uh, you know, we've got eight kids. And so, yeah. I, you know, you hear all these people saying they're struggling with isolation. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, <laughs> isolation sounds amazing right now. We just, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's, it's been an adventure for sure, you know, but God's teaching us all kinds of different lessons through the trials. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, how, I mean, it, it, I imagine it's affected your ministry in a big way. I mean, you, you, you would be traveling to, to schools and going all over the place with, with uh, events, live events. How's the yeah, thing for you? Looking at the calendar, I was supposed to be leaving tomorrow for Guatemala to speak down there. So, I mean, we have about 150 assemblies a year, and now all the churches and schools are shut down. And so everything's come to a kind of a screeching halt in the ministry. And so we've had to find some kind of new ways to keep uh, the mission moving forward and the message to get out there. Okay, well, we'll be um, praying for you. I, I think uh, one of the, the ways you've been um, innovating, you featured recently on, um, I think it was the first Catholic virtual conference, which was only a month ago, 60,000 participants. Um, it was a great reach of people. Tell us a bit about that. What was that like? Uh, yeah, that is, the virtual Catholic conference was the name of this thing. And they just got a bunch of speakers together to give quick little 15 minute talks. And, uh, you know, they asked me to speak at it. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll help out, you know, and send them a talk. And man, they hit it out of the park. I mean, as you said, 60 plus thousand people from around the world tuned into this. And so a lot of other apostolates now are kind of following the footsteps of like, hey, this is this is a great model. This is a great idea. And so Theology of the Body Institute is doing theirs this weekend. And then we're doing ours about a week and a half from now. And so it's a terrific model to evangelize, to meet people in their homes with these short, impactful, inspirational talks. Yeah, awesome. Praise God. I'm so, so glad to see these innovative ways and, and people taking advantage of the technology now. Thank God we've got the internet and we can do this. Um, uh, and, and so I encourage everyone. I mean, I, Theology Body um, Institute launched their conference in a two days time. So please register for that. It's completely free to register. Jason, along with 50 other speakers, our very own Simon Carrington from Down Under is going to be on there. Uh, Christopher West and a range of great speakers so highly encourage. Uh, what's what are you speaking on um, this weekend? Uh, this weekend for Christopher West Conference, the TOB Institute, I'll be doing a talk on the life of Saint John Paul II and kind wow. of a summary of the book that I wrote uh, called Saint John Paul the Great: His Five Loves. And so for this weekend, then I'm going to be hitting on for their conference. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Well, we have. Um, I encourage everyone to um, get on um, and, and register. Spread the word. Completely free. Take full advantage of these opportunities. Um, and, and that book, by the way, is, is an amazing book um, and the CD as well. It's still, I, I don't know anyone who has read it and not been changed for the better. So, I mean, praise God and, and well done on, the, on that book. Uh, um, Thank you. I mean, it, it, was my, it was my favorite book to write, to be able not only just to research it, but to interview so many of his friends and people who knew him so well. And like so often during the book, I felt like I was seeing his face looking back up at me in the text. And wow. so it was just a, a deep exploration of that man's heart and all that was dear to him. And just a lot of stories that were not revealed by the Vatican until after he had passed away, all the different assassination attempts and miracles, things like that. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, we've, we're, we're um, excited to be partnering with you, uh, Perusia and Chastity Project down under uh, Perusia are official partners. And we've got that book along with all your other books. And I'd like to touch on uh, 
your different works. And then we'll talk about an exciting conference coming up uh, uh, post um, Theology of Body. So we'll dive into that. Um, I want to invite all those viewing at the moment on Facebook Live. Welcome to everybody. Um, those in Australia, around the Asia Pacific region, those in America, um, we are here. Um, and you are invited to post any question you like. Um, and in the second half of this show, we'll be asking on your behalf, ask Jason anything, especially in this it's area of chastity and relationships, dating, all those are welcome. And, and I guess Pope John Paul II as well, please ask away and I'll ask on your behalf. Um, and welcome to everybody. Jason, I want to, um, I want to touch on also, this, this is a, a book that we've, we're going to be discussing as well, um, where you answer so many questions in, in this book. Uh, basically, you, you picked like your top 100 questions and you answered them. Uh, if you really love me, one of uh, another great seller, and we're going to do a special on this one today for those watching, um, 40% off. So they have to stay tuned. I'm going to tell them how to get 40% off this book. But tell us a little bit about this, if you really love me. Um, what gave you the inspiration for this? Yeah, well, we would speak at all these high schools and universities, and then afterwards, the students would come up with all kinds of questions on dating relationships and, well, how far is too far and how do you start over? And, you know, what about modesty? What about contraception? Well, what, what do you guys say about pornography, masturbation, homosexual? I mean, so many questions. And I thought, man, what we needed is create one resource that from A to Z covers the top 100 questions we get from the young people on this stuff. And so it is packed with more than a thousand peer-reviewed scientific articles uh, as footnotes and endnotes to back up the church's teachings from sociology, from medicine, from, I mean, you name it, to basically show that the, the goodness and the beauty of the church's teachings is also backed up with objective science. And so if you're a bit of a skeptic when it comes to chastity and the church's teachings on this stuff, it, it, I think it's going to intellectually satisfy you. But also, if you're just struggling with this stuff personally, well, how do I know this guy really loves me and he's not just saying it? Or how do I know this girl's the right one for me? It goes through all of those questions one by one by one. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. I highly recommend it if you really love me. Um, it's not your first book. It is one of the earlier ones you've written, but what was the first book you wrote? Um, uh, the, the first book I wrote uh, was called Pure Love, and that was just like a kind of a miniature version of If Really Loved Me. I mean, kind of fun story about If You Really Loved Me. A girl emailed me once, and she told me she was in a really bad situation with her boyfriend, and she had a particular question about their relationship that she was struggling with. So she went to a big bookstore out here in the States called Barnes & Noble, and she walks into the relationship section, which has just thousands of titles of, on relationships and sexuality. And she's like, how am I going to find my answer to my question and these hundreds of thousands of pages? And all of a sudden, my book, If You Love Me, falls off the bookshelf and lands at her feet. And she's like, what is this? And she looks around. It's like nine o'clock at night. Store's almost about to close. Nobody's there. Nobody pushed it off. And she picks it up and she's like, what is this? And she opens up the book and it's 100 questions and answers. And she opens to the page with the question verbatim that she had coming into the store. And she freaks out. She's like, who is this book for? And she turns the dedication page and it says for Mary, which was her name, Mary. Wow. <laughs> and she's like, okay, wow. God, I get the point. <laughs> took the book home and I think ended up breaking up with the guy. But, you know, it's good to know that my book's been endorsed by at least one guardian angel out there. So <laughs> that is awesome. I have to tell you, over the years, um, um, knowing your work, getting familiar with you, meeting you and learning about these stories, there is no doubt about it that God is is certainly involved in this ministry, in your work. And I think you can, you can write a, a new book of just all the signs that God has shown that 
um, you're we're on the right path. You're doing the right thing. Um, but I'd like to let people know um, maybe a bit about Jason Everett himself. Uh, how did you get started in this work? Let's just very quickly in the beginning. I mean, you're a cradle Catholic. Did you always practice your faith? Uh, could we get to know a little bit about your background and then we can dive into a bit about how you got involved in the work you're doing? Yeah, well, I mean, I was raised in a Catholic home by a Catholic yeah. family. I mean, we go to church on Sundays. Uh, we would pray grace before meals. Um, that was pretty much it in terms of the external prayer as a family. Um, but nonetheless, my parents had a strong marriage, still do, been married, I don't know, 45, 47 years, somewhere like that right now. And so was blessed with the stability of that kind of upbringing. Now, so I was raised in the church, but in high school, I kind of drifted a little bit where I, you know, I went to church, but I was not really into church. You know, I had my church friends, but then I had my other friends that were very much not into church. And I was kind of sitting on the fence and thinking, well, I'm a good person. You know, I'm not too religious, but I'm not a bad person. I'm somewhere between Mother Teresa and Osama bin Laden, you know, kind of somewhere right there in the middle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Living with a lot of complacency and compromise. And I remember being with some friends and, uh, we encountered a street corner preacher one day and he, he kind of challenged us. He's like, Oh, you guys are Catholic. And I'm like, yeah, we're Catholic. You're Protestant, you know, potato, potato. And, and he said, Oh no. He said, you need to come out from her. I'm like, who? And he's like the church, your Catholic church is the whore of Babylon. I'm like, Oh, I didn't know that. And he's like, Oh yeah, your Pope is the antichrist. I'm like, Oh, this is new information for me. And he really challenged me like, okay, biblically, show me this teaching of yours in the Bible. I don't know how to explain it. What about this teaching and that teaching? And he just biblically dismantled all that I believed as a Catholic. And I went home really not knowing why I am Catholic. And I realized, you know, I'm Catholic because my parents are Catholic. That's it. If they were Buddhist, I'd be Buddhist. If they were Episcopalian, I'd be that. And I just realized that's a really lame reason to believe anything. And then that kind of sent me on a quest why should, why should I believe? And, and just started digging in. I read the scriptures from beginning to end and started to read a lot more history, early church fathers, and end up ending up falling in love with the church through that process of skepticism. Wow. Wow. Okay. Uh, so tell us, what did you end up uh, doing? Uh, I know you, um, you did study uh, theology and you did go into Steubenville. Well, what, what made you go to that next step in your faith? Yeah, well, I ended up getting to be part of a great youth group, and it was through that youth group I learned about Franciscan University of Steubenville in Ohio, ended up going there, and that was incredible. I mean, that was like lighter fluid being poured on the fire that was just getting started, and uh, just so many amazing professors and classmates and friends, and uh, started studying like psychology, thought I'd do like marriage and family counseling, and then got more into the theology and then eventually got that master's in theology with the undergrad stuff and theology and counseling. Um, but just, just fell in love with this. And while I was there, I was doing uh, youth ministry. I was helping out in high school retreats and the kids were opening up to me with their questions about sexuality. And I realized like, wow, these guys have no guidance on this stuff. No one's talking about chastity and real love. And then I also did three years of sidewalk counseling, which means you're talking to women right before they have an abortion to give them different options and alternatives like adoption, financial help. And I just felt really late. Like here I am meeting a woman for the first time who's getting an abortion in 45 minutes. I just felt late. Like why couldn't I have met this girl when she was 16 years old? Because maybe if she knew about chastity, then she never would have dated this guy to begin with and wouldn't be in this difficult situation. So I realized... 
Good to point. save the most unborn babies, we got to swim upstream. Uh, you can't do it on the doorway of an abortion clinic. You got to start middle school, junior high, so that they can know God's plan for human love. And so all that kind of sent me on a quest to teach this stuff. And all this is going down while I was reading for the first time St. John Paul II's teachings and love and responsibility. And I realized, like, wow, this is the antidote to so much of this hurt and confusion. Wow. So that, that's, that's powerful. Um, what, and, and so Love and Responsibility was a powerful uh, document when you read that. You, you did actually have a career very early on. You were how old at the time? You were quite young as a young adult. Um, yeah, right out of college, I was hired by Catholic Answers in San yeah. Diego. They run Catholic.com to do apologetics and evangelization. And, you know, and I said, hey, I, I like the apologetics, but you know, my heart is with the young people, high school, college, it's where I want to be. And so yeah. continue to speak in the youth groups and conferences and, and on chastity. And that really just took on a life of its own and snowballed to within a few years. We're speaking to 100,000 students a year traveling around the world, and I've been doing that for 20-plus years ever since, and now it's bloomed into chastity.com and the Ministry of Chastity Project. Praise God. Yeah, that's how I discovered you. It was through the Catholic Answers days, mm -hmm. and um, you came to Australia a few times at World Youth Day, and, and soon after that, and it was such a, a privilege to meet you and, um, and work with you and then partner. But then the Chastity Project, you saw a need um, – but but let, let's let's get to this. Um, that how did you, with the, the idea of chastity project? I mean, it's not a popular word. I, I know many people think of it, and they get the wrong concept of chastity. They think of chastity belts. They think of okay. remaining celibate for the rest of your life. They think uh, that's for monks and and and, and nuns. Can you just um, explain what is chastity? Yeah, well, a lot of people, as you said, kind of just want to stay away from the word. Yeah. I even know some people within ministry are like, well, let's not use that word. I mean, it's got yeah. too much baggage attached to it. But I particularly want to go after that word and use it as often as possible because of something John Paul II said. He said the word chastity needs to be rehabilitated. And so I see that as uh, core to our mission, rehabilitating the word chastity so they can understand that it's this virtue of chastity that frees us to love and frees us to know if we're being loved. And so it's not the extinguishing of your sexual desires. It's ordering our sexual desires according to the demands of authentic human love. And so when you see a person, you, you, you experience an attraction, a desire, you know, there, there, there's a reaction that takes place. We're responding to their sexual value, which is a good thing. They have a value that is sexual, that is good. But now we're given the opportunity for a response to that reaction. Do I place their sexual value above their personal value or do I pause and reorient the values of, okay, their sexual value is good, but their value as a human person is greater. And I need to see them and respect them with that dignity instead of looking them like a collection of body parts for my enjoyment. And so chastity is that virtue that orders these desires so we can be free to love. Because if I can't say no to my sexual impulses, it really means nothing when I say yes to them. And it also frees us to know if we're being loved, because if you remove the sexual element from like a dating relationship and the person leaves you because of that, then it shows that they never desired you in the first place. They just desire the pleasure that they wanted to get at your expense. And it brings a lot of clarity. It's almost like you think about a cigarette addict, like smokers really don't want cigarettes, right? I mean, what, cig what cigarette smokers want is the feeling they get from the nicotine in the cigarette. Because when the cigarette is done, 
how do they value it? No, they flick it to the curb because mm-hmm. they got what they wanted. And in the same respect, many people after a broken sexual relationship feel like that cigarette butt in the gutter. Like, wow, it was never me that that person desired. Because if they truly desired me, they still could have had me without the sexual element to our relationship. And so it really tests a person's love and the quality and the value of that relationship. That's so powerful what you said. Uh, and as I'm hearing you, and, I'm, and I'm, I was about to ask, I mean, how do young people take this? Well, how have you found? I mean, you, when you're speaking to, you're speaking to lots of high school students and and I can imagine the teachers, the parents thinking, oh, they're not going to get this. They're not going to want to listen to this. Your, your experience is the exact opposite. Uh, can you share a little bit about the response that the young people are having to this message of chastity? Yeah, we've spoken to about 2 million young people in two person. People. And <laughs> never once have we ever had a disrespectful audience, ever. Uh, the, the kids are starving for this stuff. I mean, yeah, they come into the gym. Oh, stupid sex talk. Here we go. You know, and I like walking into the assembly with them because they don't know I'm the speaker. And so I just like to listen to what the, the murmurings and the grumblings of having to sit in an hour and a half chastity talk. But afterwards, we tell the kids, hey, if you guys want to hang out and talk afterwards, I'll be here to listen. I gave that invitation at a high school in New York and the students formed a line seven hours long. And I remember one school, it was like a correctional facility uh, for kind of troubled kids who already got kicked out of public school and had probation officers and stuff. And I'm I'm setting up myself on the podium before the students come in. And one of the kids walks in and he just looks at me and he says, you're not welcome here. And then he starts walking away. Now I start laughing because I thought that was just fantastic. And and he turns around because I'm laughing and I'm like, get over here. I pulled $20 out of my wallet and I said, okay, Here's 20 bucks. If this talk is not the best talk you have ever heard on sex, this money is yours. Do we have a $20 bet? And he said, oh, absolutely. I'm going to see you right after the talk. I'm like, I'll be here waiting for you. And then after the talk, he came up to me, gave me a big high five and a hug. And he says, man, I owe you $20. You know? And so you know, I, I let him keep his money. But you know, they, it was Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, who said, people don't know what they want until you show it to them. And I don't think there's anywhere where that's more true than in the virtue of chastity. They don't think they want it until they see what it is. And then they realize this is the truth and this is love and this is what I desire. Well, there you go. Um, and, and praise God and God bless you for your work. It is changing lives. Um, I, I think there's a st- as many stories you probably know of. I know of a few when just in watching you live, some girls in, in the crowd, they would, they would instantly, just hearing your message, they'll be... <laughs> breaking up with their boyfriends live texting in the middle of your talk oh, yeah. or, or trans i mean we're talking about life transformation here but tell us of any oh, other stories you're hearing it's so funny to watch i have the <laughs> best seat in the house during these chastity talks because imagine just getting to watch the facial expressions of 1200 kids in front of you as you're delivering this talk and I, i've even seen it during the talk where i i mean i can see what's going on and one of the talks the girl was down here and I could tell her boyfriend was in the top left corner of the bleacher because they were texting each other during the, the assembly where she's like, eh, eh, eh. you could kind of see her looking back and he's sitting there on his phone communicating. And one of the assemblies, there was a girl sitting next to her boyfriend and he's got his arm around her during the assembly. About halfway through, she kind of picks up his arm and puts it back into his lap, you know. And then by the end of the assembly, she's crying on the girl next to her. So you see this body language. I think my favorite one was in Virginia last year. 
guy and a girl come in. He sits behind her on the bleachers and he wraps his arms and legs around her during the assembly like an octopus. And what? at first I could tell she was into it, but then like halfway through the talk, she was getting kind of claustrophobic, kind of scooting away from him. And then after the talk was over, both of them came down to me because we had a table full of free books and she, they're holding hands and she looks at him and she says, go away. And he's like, okay. And he walks away and she leans over to me and she's like, what's that book you have with the 15 reasons to dump a guy. And I'm like, that book is right here, sweetheart. She said, thank you very much. And put that in her pocket and she walked off. So uh, we're kind of like the grim bears, uh, you know, the grim reapers of love, you know, where we come with a sickle and break up all these kids and but it's a good thing, right? I mean, because if it's not the love they deserve, then the sooner they get that out of their life, the more open they are to receive the love they deserve. Amen. And, and I do want to unpack a bit the, the idea of uh, in search of real love. What is that? What is what is the ideal relationship we're desiring for? But before I do that, I do want to talk about your strategy, and it seems to be working. What you give, you go into high schools, you speak, but you at the back of those talks, you actually are giving away free resources as part of your ministry. Can you just explain about that sort of, I guess, that one-two punch? If you like, you, 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 it's the message is penetrating, and and people are, are are wanting so much more. Can you tell us about? that that uh, concept yeah we have a website called chastity.com and anyone who donates to that we take the funds and one thing we do with that is just give away free books to the kids mm. and so after every assembly there are literally hundreds of books and cds and commitment cards and rosaries and miraculous medals sitting on the tables and the, you know the kids walk in you know what's that but then on the way out they mob the table one teacher said you know i'll just stand here next to the table and give them out if anyone wants them and I told the administrator now, I'd really not recommend that just for your sakes, because it's like a stampede when the talk is over. And they are like, oh, well, we'll see about that with these kids. Sure enough, when those kids started thundering down the bleachers at this table, that lady chucked the books on the table and got out of there because the kids <laughs> are starving for this stuff. They're hungry. They want the books for their friends or for their future ex-boyfriend or whatever. And so it's because the generosity of the donors that we're able to give this stuff away for free. And then everything on the website is $3 or less if you get it wow. in bulk, which gives people the opportunity to share this message with their friends on a low budget. Yeah, praise God. Uh, um you're talking about rosaries and miraculous medals. I mean, that's a point. I mean, you know, people might think, oh, teenagers are not going to be into that, but they're taking those things. And, oh, and, yeah. And, they, they want, you know, a physical sign of their faith and yeah, as a wow. physical reminder of their commitment. Praise God. Now, can we dive into a little bit of these uh, resources? I've talked about this one here. And by mm -hmm. the way, I'm going to announce the little, uh, for those who have listened up to this point, all you got to do is go on the Perusia Media website, those in, um, in Australia, um, and you visit perusiamedia.com, click on store, search for this book, If You Really Love Me, and you've got to, as you check out, put in this code, PP, which is Perusia Podcast, JE, which is Jason Evert, and 40, 40, and you're going to get 40% off. And please uh, take advantage of that and get this copy. Top 100 questions about dating and chastity and uh, relationships. So get, make sure you get that, and, and I highly recommend this for any parent, for their teenage uh, kids, any teachers, for their students. Uh, and anyone just searching um, for love, anyone in high school, please grab this or university, single, married, you name it, it's for you. So that's one. We talked about Pure Love, the booklet, and that was your original. Um, you also have a couple of booklets that sort of uh, coincide with that booklet. Could you talk about those? 
Yes, uh, we've got one called Pure Manhood and another called yep. Pure Womanhood. Because after we wrote the Pure Love book, there were so many male-specific questions coming in and so many female-specific questions. So my wife and I wrote those two companion books that can kind of tackle this subject of chastity from the male-female perspective. Because lust is not like a guy problem. This is a human problem. You know, girls should not be made to feel that if they struggle with sexual attractions or desires or pornography, like, well, that's a guy issue. This is the universal human condition, but just because we all struggle with it doesn't mean that the solution is the same. And so it kind of gets into more gender specific approaches to why we struggle with these things and, and how we can grow out of these things and, and master ourselves to be free, not only to receive love, but free to actually give it. And so with the guys, you know, we go into pornography and masturbation and just all kinds of questions that the guys have, but they, they're afraid to ask, like, oh, I'm going to ask this person about it. I'd be too embarrassed. And so we put the questions in there to give them these questions that they're really wrestling with. So they've got solid answers. I remember one college girl, she said, I totally failed the chastity because I could never answer the question, why wait? And so I think it's our job to be able to provide convincing answers to help them to wait. Wow. That's so good. Um, is there a particular order? Would you recommend reading Pure Love before you dive into one of those? Or is there a, a science to it? Should you be reading one before the other? Yeah, well, pure love was the introductory one, but I think yes. either either one of those three would be a good starter for okay. anybody just introducing to that subject. And that that's kind of like the the gateway drug, so to speak. And then if you really loved me is a more thorough treatment that's going to go through a lot more questions. So with pure love, pure womanhood, pure manhood, it's like one page per question. There's maybe just 40 pages to the whole booklet, and that's it. Um, but that's gonna, I think it's gonna inspire people, but it's gonna make them want to go deeper, which is why we've created all the other resources. That uh, series, by the way, you've you've got a Catholic version um, and a and a secular version. Can you tell mm -hmm. us why you did that? And how I mean, is the message different in the secular version? Tell us about. No, that. I mean it's it's substantially the same. We've just removed all of the religious content because okay. there's many educators within the public school system or within the health industry that want to use this because abstinence is a, a public health crisis that people aren't, people aren't living this lifestyle. And so it's able to explain from a non-religious perspective why this lifestyle is not only best for your body, it's best for your mind, it's best for your emotional state, for your relationship, for your families, and so that you can be free to love. And so we make the case for chastity without bringing the God piece into it. And I've had kids come up to me at the public schools and say, hey, you know, I'm really glad you didn't talk about God during the assembly because I don't go to church. And now I see that abstinence and chastity really makes sense, even though I'm not a religious person. Now, it's obviously not as easy to live it out if you're not drawing upon grace, but intellectually, they need to see, okay, this lifestyle is the best and healthiest choice, even if I'm not a very spiritual human being. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, so glad you've done that. Um, uh, yeah, God bless you for that. So you've been, you've been going into public schools as well with this message, uh, non-Catholic students, and, and, and it's been well-received. Oh, they, they have the exact same response. I mean, it's indistinguishable because, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. The kids in the Catholic schools aren't necessarily 100% devout. And the kids going to the public schools aren't a bunch of heathen pagans. I mean, to draw the black and white like that is not an accurate representation of what's going on inside the schools. Yeah, that's not very true. Um, uh, as, we're, as we're talking about these resources and people are wanting to know them, on the Perusia page, uh, if those in Australia and, and, and in this region, we've been putting the links. Those in America, you can go to chastityproject.org uh, and, and check out all that. And and anyone watching, and, and if you're a young person wanting to get these resources and you cannot afford it, please just send us a message either to the Chastity Project or at Perusia, 
um, and and we can get you a copy. Um, please just send us a message and we want to make sure that everyone has access to these resources. It's so powerful and life-changing. Um, they continue. There was one, when you came to Australia, you had a, a new release for women. It was the 21, wait, how to, how to um, find uh, save your, how to find your soulmate without losing your soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was designed for women. And I remember when that was launched as we're going back nine years now, um, Tell us about uh, that book that you wrote and what, why you did that. That's probably been one of the most popular titles we ever came out with. So right. it, what that was is after these assemblies, these girls would come up with just hours and hours and hours of questions. And they say, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And so it just felt like every time I leave these conversations, I'd be like, man, I just wish I had one book I could give to that girl saying, look, you just read this and it's going to make sense of all this stuff. And so the, the book starts out with the top 10 guys to avoid. And so the girls can go in there and be like, oh yeah, I recognize that guy. I remember that guy. And it really wins them over of just like, look girls, you're not the problem. But just sometimes we make choices with guys that make our lives a lot more difficult than they need to be. And so let's just start out by weeding out these guys who are not worthy of you. And I've found that girls really enjoy this book because it just brings a lot of clarity without a bunch of judgment on them or shame and guilt. And I've had college girls say that, you know, they read the book and then they thought, I need to get this to the other girls at the university. So they started a book study on their campus and the book study got too big. So they had to start another book study on the second floor of the dorm and that got too big. And then it was the third and fourth. And before you knew, every single floor of the girls' dormitory at the university had a book study going on. And that's the vision we have of like, there's so many incredible apostles out there that just need to be equipped with ammunition. Like we're kind of like arms dealers and our job is just to give these people the ammo and then they can do amazing things with it. And so this book, um, I think has been one of the biggest blessings that, you know, it's the, the most thank yous we get from women is from that book. You know, I read that book and after that, the light bulb went on and I never settled for less anymore after I read that book. And so if there's, if there's any single book I'd recommend, it'd be that one. And as, as you said, Charbel, we've got, we've got two websites. One is chastity.com which has all the religious and secular things. Then we have chastity.org, which only has the public school secular non-religious version. So .com is all the Catholic stuff. .org is all the public school stuff. But the How to Find Your Soulmate book is more of the faith-based content. Okay, that's good to know. That's good. Thanks for that clarification. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's only a, a few more because you released in the last couple of, uh, last year or so, you've released a couple more. But mm-hmm. um, uh, there was Pope John Paul II. Uh, was that the next book that was written? In order, um, I'm, I'm sort not of sure that precise order, but that one came out after the soulmate book, uh, yes. St. John Paul the Great. Mm-hmm. That was great. Um, and I highly recommend everyone uh, looking at that. Um, and then what w- tell us about these more recent ones you've written. Um, you've released uh, a few now. Um, yeah. Three of the more recent ones, one would be called Theology, the Body in One Hour. And yes. what that is, is taking St. John Paul II's teachings of the Theology of the Body, which is five years of teaching and like a thousand pages of content, and bringing it into something that you could read in roughly an hour or two. And, um, and it also addresses the topic of gender and the whole gender theory. Yeah. You know, is my body meaningless or is my body meaningful? You know, if I want to know my true identity, should I just look at my feelings or should I look at the creation of what God has made in me? And so really helps people in a gentle way to walk through how to tackle that whole theory of transgenderism and um, really a beautiful lens of how to view human sexuality, not just the act of sex, but what it means to be male and female. And so theology of the body in one hour tackles that. 
And then after that, Kelsey Skoke, who's one of our authors, came out with a book called Uncompromising Purity, which is just for girls on addressing the topics of pornography and masturbation. Like, look, this is not just a guy problem. And she shares her story how she used to sit in and youth groups and in college and hear talks on pornography. And it was all to the guys. Now, guys, we know you struggle with porn. And now, girls, you struggle with your emotions. And she's sitting there thinking like, well, I should be in their talk because that's what I struggle with. And when she started, started to share her story, so many girls came up to her and said, thank you for being honest. I struggle with this too. And so we realized there's no resource for women on this topic in the church. And so she created Uncompromising Purity just for girls. And then the mo most recent title we came out with is, uh, you know, we had the How to Find Your Soulmate book for girls. And guys kept saying, like, where's the book for guys? And I'm like, oh, guys don't read. You know, we're not going to do that. But they kept bugging me, like, no, we're literate. And so, okay. So we came out with a book, The Dating Blueprint, which teaches guys the ABCs of dating etiquette, how to ask a girl out, how to know if she's the right girl to ask out. And we surveyed more than 10,000 women to create the content of this book. How would you want to be asked out? How do you not want to be asked out? Just all the stuff they expect guys to know, but they don't feel like it's their place to tell us that information. And so we got that info from the women so that I could deliver it to the guys. There you go. That is awesome. That's awesome. Well, well, all that is available, chastityproject.com or chastityproject.org, uh, perusiamedia.com, those in Australia as well. Please uh, uh, take advantage. And again, 40% off this one here. Uh, just put in the initials. It's, it's in the comment section, PPJE40. We're ready to tackle some questions, Jason. You're ready to tackle some of these in the next 20 minutes here we've got uh, together. Let's um, go. Um, so make sure you've got them there. And I'm going to ask my guardian angel who is posting them in order to put them in a nice uh, top of the list for me. And before I take that first one, I do want to address this anonymous one, someone who's contacted me uh, privately to ask this, and, and I'd like to ask this as, as the first one to get going here. So here is the question, Jace. All right. Sorry. Whoop. Here we go. Now, how can you discern between actually liking someone when you're struggling with lust, especially when lust only appears when you like a particular person? Therefore, clouding your head, making it hard to figure out if liking this person is genuine or just lust alone. Okay, it's a really good question. I think the first thing that we need to work through is that to understand that sexual attraction and desire is not the same thing as lust. And how we can distinguish them is, for one, when you see someone who's sexually appealing and attractive, neurologists say that literally within one-third of a second – excitatory neurotransmitters will flood your brain. Hormones will surge through your bloodstream. It will dilate your, your pupils. Your heart rate will increase. Your skin tone flushes. Your muscle tone uh, changes. This is within one third of a second when you see that sexual attraction. This is a reaction. Now you're given the opportunity for a response. So that reaction itself is not lust because lust is a decision through my imagination or my action to reduce somebody to their sexual value. So when that reaction happens, now I'm given an opportunity for a response. Do I reduce that person in my imagination to something to be used for my gratification or do I pause and recall, okay, yeah, that person sexually is extremely attractive, but 
now I just need to remember, I, this is my sister in humanity or your brother in Christ, you know, and I need to just clothe them with dignity. And if I start to have impure thoughts about them, uh, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to transform that temptation into intercession because this is an opportunity for lust and it's an opportunity for love as well. And so don't think that if you have strong sensual reactions toward a person, oh, that's lust. There's nothing good there. It's all bad. It's like, well, no, maybe something needs to be tamed there. Something needs to be healed because when you marry a person, you want there to be a strong sexual response and attraction. That's good stuff. But that is not the essence of love itself. It, that attraction could be like beginning of love, that, that I desire something there, and, but that desire needs to move beyond attraction. Not only just to union, I want to be with this person, but to what John Paul II calls goodwill, meaning I want what is best for this other human being. And if love never matures to that point, if I choose what is best for her, I choose what is best for him, then call it whatever you want. It's not love. But don't think that just because you have strong attraction that it isn't love. It's just a counterfeit. It's like, no, attraction's good. That's given by God. You know, it could be something beautiful and good there. But now what we do with that, the devil can use to drive a wedge between you and that person, or God could use to spark a fire in you to love them truly and authentically. And so uh, when it comes to discerning, is this love, is this lust, just make sure you're not trying to decide by yourself. Talk to your spiritual director, to priest, youth minister, mom, dad, brother, sisters, people whose opinions you trust and admire and respect. Because when you get real close emotionally or physically, it's hard to judge the value of a relationship. But people who are a little bit more of a distance can help you judge the value. Hey, is there potential here? Does this person bring out the best in you? Do they make you want to grow closer to God? Or is it every time you get together, it's just veering towards the physical and towards sin? Other people can sometimes see that more clearly than we can. That's fantastic. Thank you for that. Um, I think that sort of semi-answers a little bit of this person, but Melissa, um, she's, she's got a message here. Hey, Jason, I'm a freshman and have been listening to you since the sixth grade. My question is that if, is there like the one uh, that God made for you to be with? How do you know who it is and if you're making it up in your head? So I guess it sort of flows in your answer previously. Yeah, no, re really good question, Melissa. We actually are launching a podcast this next week called Love is Greater Than Lust. Um, it's been submitted to the iTunes store now. We're just waiting for them to say, hey, it's live. So it should be up there, God willing, by Friday. And in episode number two, this is what we tackle. Is he the one? We spent a whole podcast just looking at this question. So follow us on social media and you'll see when we renounce uh, this podcast. But how, you know, does God create one specific person for each person called the sacrament of marriage? Good people debate this question. Um, the church has never officially come down in one direction or the other saying yes or no, because there is a biblical precedent for God doing this. I mean, you have jo G Joseph and Mary. I mean, obviously God picked Joseph and Mary from all eternity. Uh, you look in the book of Tobit in the Old Testament of Tobiah and Sarah, the archangel says to Tobiah that, you know, don't be afraid that God has basically planned her for you from be before the beginning of time. You know, he created her for you. Okay, that, that seems pretty clear. Um, you look at the couples like Adam and Eve, you know, granted there weren't a lot of other options at the time for Adam, but specifically <laughs> Eve must have been created for him. Um, so there are some cases where, yeah, God's obviously done this. 
you know, does that mean it's always the case? You know, some people would say, well, no, you know, there are literally thousands of potential eligible worthy spouses in your life and you just have to do your own discernment and choose who you will and God will bless that if you act in good faith. Well, you know, I don't really necessarily have a problem with that, but what I believe is that divine providence intervenes in human affairs to the extent that we make room for it. Meaning the more we make room in our life for God to act and for him to intervene, I think to that extent, he guides us and he shows us the way. And so sometimes we take a detour. I mean, you look at Mother Teresa, she joined a religious order and then left that religious order, but she felt God calling her to found the missionaries of charity. And so sometimes God brings us through a circuitous route. There can be detours on the way, but provided we keep saying yes to him, I think we're going to end up where he wants us. And so I wouldn't get too anxious because some people get wrapped up in the idea of like, there's only one. And I already dated that person. They broke up with me. And now I'm never going to find anyone better than that person because I missed the boat. God's in control. You're not. If you're in control, you'll completely mess it up. And you think, well, I already did mess it up. God can write straight with crooked lines. So be at peace. That's great. There's a freedom in that, isn't there? Um, mm -hmm. Trusting in God. Uh, great yeah. question. Thank you for that. Um, Patrick um, uh, Lee's jumped in here. Have you, have you seen the movie I Still Believe, Jason? Uh, I've seen most of it. Okay. Um, yeah. It, it was uh, recently launched in Australia. Mm -hmm. um, would you say Jeremy Camp's story is a good example of a relationship? Uh, do you recommend the movie? Based on what From what I saw of the film, uh, yes, but I haven't seen the entire thing in its, you know, in, in its fullness. So I, I, I can't pontificate officially because I haven't <laughs> seen the whole movie in its entirety. I know my 12-year-old daughter loved it when she, when she saw it, and I've heard many positive things about it. But I have to reserve judgment simply because I haven't seen it in its entirety. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you, Patrick, for that question. We have another question here from Mary. Um, hey, Jason, uh, I'm 54 and I can't find a decent guy because all they want is sex. Then they all call you all sorts of dirty and evil names. What is a Catholic woman to do? Yeah. Well, God bless you for being faithful to the gospel. And, and you know what? No matter how you live, you are going to get called names, right? Because if you give these guys, I'll, I don't even want to call them guys, but if you give these men uh, what they want, they're going to call you names too. And trust me, those names aren't nearly as pleasant as the names they're calling you. And so if you don't give it to them, well, then you get called other names. Well, you're a prude and you're a tease and you're this and you're that. So it's like, okay, you're going to pay a price no matter how you live. But one price is wasting the money and the other is an investment. So if you give you these guys what they want and you end up getting called these names, you gained nothing and you lost everything. Whereas if you let them call you these condescending names, pretending like your prudery and moral repressiveness are the problem, uh, and, and you hold fast to those morals, you haven't lost anything. You've gained the admiration of God and the angels. And so persevere in this because, you know, St. Peter in, in one of his writings says like, do not be, do not be astonished when you experience a trial by fire that, that you're called to share in the sufferings of Jesus Christ for the sake of the gospel. And you're doing this. I mean, you look at the saints, whether it be St. Agnes or St. Maria Goretti, so many saints literally it costs them their life to hold on to their moral principles. And so turn to those saints. Now, to give you a note of encouragement, there are more and more Catholic online dating websites that are sprouting up. You have Ave Maria singles. You have catholicchemistry.com. And there are other Catholic websites that 
technically are larger. Um, but what I've heard from some of the single women that have tried those is like, yeah, I met a guy and he was Catholic or he wanted a Catholic woman, but his moral standards were not very Catholic in my opinion. So when you get a bigger pool, there's a much greater disparity in the quality of people you might find. Where sometimes in these smaller Catholic websites, Catholic Chemistry or Ave Maria Singles, there might not be as many people, but the quality tends to be stronger. And so if I were single right now, I think I would definitely look at some of these websites because I don't believe in online dating, but I do believe in online meeting. I do believe you could meet someone online who shares your values and your faith, and then eventually, God willing, date in person. And so I think that that could be a viable option. And just to get involved in the church in your area, you probably already are. But, you know, call around in your diocese. Do we have any events for singles or for people like that in the diocese? And yeah, this parish is having this, you know, social fundraiser thing. You know, you might want to go to that. Um, so call around and look around, check around some of these dating websites. But whatever you do, don't lower your morals for the sake of a guy who probably won't even be around in six months. You know, I always say, yeah, you know, it's hard to be disappointed in guys. You know, it is. I know that's difficult, but it is a much better thing to be disappointed in some men than to be disappointed in yourself for settling for man who's only half of the man that you deserve. And so just stand strong and keep your morals high as heaven. Yeah, great advice. Uh, just sort of flowing from that, and, and Jackie has asked, um, do any of your books include the new world of dating apps and online dating? Do you address any of this in any of the books? Um, we address it more in the new book we just did for the guys called okay. The Dating Blueprint, uh, okay. where what we go, we go after with the guys is don't ask a girl out through a phone. Don't ask her out through a text message. Don't ask her out through a DM. Like, no, face to face, ask her out. Um, use the word date, face the fear of rejection. Girls don't want to be asked out through a text. They don't want to be asked out. Hey, you want to hang out? You want to chill? You want to come over my place? Like, no, ask her face to face. Hey, I was wondering if I could take you out on a date Use the word, the D word, ask her out on a date this Saturday, you know, give her some advanced notice, have clarity of intentions. That's what girls want. Cause frankly, these Tinder dating app kind of things where you're swiping left and right, it almost makes commodities out of human beings where, okay, are I swiping? Cause that one doesn't have enough virtue. Oh, that wouldn't be, wouldn't be a good wife. Like or where, what is the criterion by which we go left and right on these apps? It's merely, for the most part, our sensual reactions and nothing less. Like, okay, well, I'm not, I don't feel enough sexual attraction. I'm going to the next person. The next, oh, this one's okay. And it's like, are we really starting things off on the best foot? Because in the end, those sensual reactions will subside. They wax and they wane. And when they go down, what you're left with is the value of the choice that you've made. And if you, if you, what you win a person with is what you keep them with. And so if you win a man with your sensual value or pleasure, well, you keep him with pleasure, but he can get pleasure anywhere. He can get it off the internet, get it from another girl. It's a repeatable asset. If you win him with your body, well then great, keep him with your body. But here's the problem. Every woman has a body. I can't remember the last woman I met who did not have a body. Okay, this is a repeatable asset. You have to win him with who you are as a human person because you're unrepeatable. And so these apps, more often than not, don't start the relationships off on the right foot. And sometimes they take off these relationships like a rocket and then they end up coming down like one. Yeah, wow. Well, no, very good. Uh, the Dating Blueprint, by the way, is coming um, uh, to the Perusia Media store very soon. So stay tuned. We will be printing in the next, in weeks to come. Uh, they'll be available. So, so get in touch with us, those in Australia. Those in America, get on chastityproject.com uh, right now and, and you can get access to that. Thank you, Jackie. 
Uh, I do have a question, uh, and it's been a discussion among uh, devout Catholics as a group, uh, trying to differentiate the church's teaching of um, contraception so uh, and natural family planning, the differences. And so there is still a, a big misconception out there that they, they are different things. So can you just di- sort of explain what is the difference? So someone who the, the church is quite clear about um, its stance on contraception, but is natural family planning the same thing? Can it be the same thing? Can you can you sort of uh, talk about that? Yeah, I, I love a point that Janet Smith makes on this. She says, when people say to her, contraception and NFP, isn't it basically the same thing? She just says, well, if it's the same thing, then just use NFP. And they'd be like, well, whoa, whoa, but that, that's a lot more effort. Well, if it's a big difference in the means, that might be an indication that there could be a big difference in the morality as well. Now, natural family planning, which means uh, you chart your spouse's fertility in a natural way to see when the fertility window is open and when it's closed, and you abstain from sex during the time that she's fertile if you have judged together that now is not the right time to have more more kids. And so you're not acting against the sexual act. Like if, and, and, and now you could use NFP with a contraceptive mentality, meaning, hey, well, we don't want to have kids because I want to buy a better car and a bigger house and all these things, and we don't need to be bogged down by kids and all those burdens. That's a contraceptive mentality, and that's wrong. And so you could be using natural family planning in a wrong way. And likewise with contraception, a couple might say, well, wait a minute, doctor said if she gets pregnant one more time, she could die. And so we need to use birth control and we need to use contraception. What you have there is a good motive of I wish to preserve the life of my spouse, mm-hmm. but you have an immoral means. So for an act to be good, both the, the means by which you do it and the motive both need to be good. It can't be one or the other. And you could imagine when it comes to family planning, God has created the act of sexual intimacy to be for both babies and bonding. And what God has joined together, we should not separate. Imagine if I said, you know, a person says, well, I want to have intercourse with you, but I don't want to have babies with you. That's the message of contraception. Well, what if I did it backwards? And I said, look, I want to have babies with you, but I don't want to have emotional bonding with you. Like, so I wish to use you as an incubator for my offspring, but I wish to avoid all emotional entanglement with you. Uh, you know, so I'm not going to look at you and I just want to stay. Most people say that guy's nuts. It's like, well, okay, contraception is simply the other side of that coin where you're, in a sense, binging on the pleasure and intimacy of the act, but they're purging out of it its life-giving effect. And that's why it's often kind of been compared uh, to someone, you got two women who want to maintain a slim figure, and one of them uh, practices dieting and temperance and exercise, and the other practices binging and purging where both of them have the same desire, I want to stay slim, but they take a very different means to get there. One binges in the act of eating and then purges out the effect, whereas the other one abstains from foods that may be fatty and practices temperance. This is a good analogy when it comes to NFP and contraception, where contraception engages in the sexual act, binges on the pleasure, but then eliminates the life-giving effect, whereas with natural family planning, you simply abstain. And if, if NFP a couple is contracepting by doing that, then when are they contracepting? Like, are they contracepting when they do become one flesh? Well, no, because they're not really doing anything unnatural. Or are they contracepting by being abstinent? Like, is that wrong? If, if they agree, no, that's not really contraception. So at what point are they really sinning? They're not. And so we need to get to the real core of this, though, is what is God's plan for the family? You know, the church will never tell you how many kids to have, but God will. But do we trust him with our fertility? 
you know, we say at the dinner table, bless us, O Lord, and these I give. So, okay, he's Lord in the kitchen, but is he Lord in the bedroom also? And if he's our God, we need to give him lordship over every aspect of our lives. And that doesn't mean that we're careless in terms of family planning. NFP is more than 99% effective in spacing children. It is an effective means. And understand the church is not against controlling births if done prayerfully. What the church is against is contraception. If you need to control how many births you have, he's already created in your spouse's body the ability to do that through NFP. And I found through NFP, my wife's body's perfect. She doesn't need pills and drugs. She just needs to be understood. Because if we can understand her fertility, then instead of suppressing her body with chemicals to conform to our desires, we can form our desires to the perfect way her body has already been created. And we don't have to worry about the side effects of the stuff, like the pill and breast cancer. The birth control pill is an abortifacient drug as well. One of the ways it does work is through an abortifacient effect, causing abortions very early on in the pregnancy. Like, most women have no clue of this stuff. Oh, that's not true. It is true. Read the packet on the pill. And if you want info and data on all this, our website, chastity.com, has a Q&A section. Just click on birth control, read whatever device or pill or drug you want, and we've got tons of info with all the scientific evidence behind it. That's pretty. You answered my question. That was going to follow. How do we get more info? So chastityproject.com. You've got articles on there. You've got um, a whole range of research and, and data for people can just access uh, at any time. So that's, that's yeah. And, and also alternatives, to the pill for medical reasons. If a woman's been told, well, you need this for endometriosis or polycystic mm -hmm. ovarian mm -hmm. syndromes, we've got the information on there of different alternatives. Now it's not wrong to use it if you need it for a medical purpose, but there are other alternatives uh, that have proven to be much more effective. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. That, thank you, Jason. Uh, all your CDs as well. You've got talks and, and, and videos that's on that website as well. Yes, everything is at chastity.com. Okay. And uh, likewise, as, as you'd mentioned, we have a conference coming up. If you just go to chastity.com, right there on the homepage, it says the Catholic Love Life Conference. And we've got more than 70 speakers and all of that is free. And it's coming up in two weeks. Registration just opened up today. And so I would just ask your viewers, like, please not only just register, share this on your social media, email it to your friends, your family. It's got stuff for singles and dating, married couples, parents, teenagers, and it's all free, more than 70 talks with tons of awesome content just coming up in a few weeks. And like I said, the podcast as well is coming up and all the details are at chastity.com. Brilliant. We're going to make sure we get all that information out to you. Links there. Go to chastityproject.com. And I highly encourage you to sign up to these virtual conferences. They're completely free. What have you got to lose? Share it with your family and friends and get it out there. This is our chance. We can still evangelize in this world online and let's do it this way. There's great initiatives, including that one this weekend as well. Don't forget Theology of the Body, uh, the virtual conference this weekend. So sign up. There's over 40,000 people registered. It's, it's now officially the largest conference on Theology of the Body ever. So get on there. Um, and then after that, once you do that, make sure you do the Chastity Project uh, conference as well. And we are pleased to be partners and affiliates with that. And we'll be giving more information in our emails to follow. Uh, and thanks. Our very, I'd like to shout out to Simon Carrington, um, who is uh, very um, an Aussie-bred, Aussie-grown guy, Fire Up Ministries, doing great work and featuring on in these conferences. Um, Jason, I want to thank you for joining us today. Um, we're out of time. I can't believe it. Uh, for those who, um, who, who didn't get their questions answered, please reach out to us. We'll, we'll endeavor to get back to you and link through, um, be in touch with the Chastity Project. Get this book, if you rely on the top 100 questions uh, on dating. Um, the special is 40% off, so I highly recommend getting this. PPJE40 is the code. We'll put it in the comments again. 
Um, but get this as well, 40% off, um, and you'll get that. And I encourage everyone to get and, and study the faith and study all this stuff. But what more is it? It's so important in our lives. Um, any Anything else, Jason? I think uh, we covered quite a bit. Any final message? What I would ask most of all is the viewers' prayers for our family, our ministry, and for this upcoming podcast and conference for everybody who's going to attend it. I mean, God willing, we're going to get more than thirty to 50,000 people come to this conference. And uh, if there's if it's going to be fruitful, it's not because the talks are the most amazing thing in the world. I mean, you know, Jesus didn't save anybody by preaching. You know, he saved them from dying on the cross. And so likewise, we ask the intercession of everybody who's watching this, that that conference would be fruitful for families and young people so they could discover their vocation and God's plan for their life. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you as I close off here, everybody. That's Jason Evett from the Chastity Project, the founder, uh, awesome guy, man of God, doing great work, father of eight. Pray for him, his family, his ministry. And, and may this touch lives and inspire people. I encourage everyone, visit the Perusia Media uh, website as well. Our podcasts are now live on all the podcast platform. This is the Perusia podcast, bringing you speakers every single week. Those on The Voice of Charity as well, thank you to them, EWTN, and all our partners uh, sharing these uh, around the world. Thank you so much. Get plugged in. And look, we want to do as much free stuff as possible. If you are in any way uh, in a position to donate to the ministry and, and donate to allow us to continue to do this free, Please um, get onto the Perusia Media website, click on Donate, and 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 whatever you can can do will be much appreciated to help us ramp up uh, a lot more free content for people, especially during these lockdowns. So we are out of time. I want to thank everyone again. Thank you, Jason. Shall we close with a glory be? Absolutely. All right. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Uh, St. John Paul II. Pray for, Pray for us. us. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Jason. Thanks for having me All on, right. Charbel. Keep up the All great right. work. Thank you so much.